Good evening. Um, so, hello. My name is Alex. And uh, the series that we have been exploring last week and this week is titled that, Hello, My Name Is. And I think one of the most interesting things about that phrase is that depending on who you're with and where you are, it could end in a multiple of different names, multiple different names. So what I want to do is take a minute and let you introduce yourself to somebody around you in one of the different names that you have. How many different names do you have? What do people call you? So for me, it might be mom. It might be dear. It might be honey. Just to give you a little bit of an idea. So I'm going to give you a minute. Introduce to yourself to somebody around you in one of your names. All right, I heard a few fun ones. Anyone want to share any names that you go by? Any names that you cherish? Maybe names that you wish that you weren't uh, <laughs> called? I heard Trevor share a fun one. Why? Okay, the Feff. So now, if you'd like to refer to Trevor as the Feff. So just a couple of my names I have up here to share with you. So I'm an elementary school teacher. Um, this is an old class picture, but I teach a 5-6 class right now in Winona. And to them, I'm Mrs. LeBlanc. Um, to some of the littler ones that I teach, it's just Mrs. L. And sometimes it's still just teacher. It's just teacher, teacher. <laughs> so that's one of my names. Another one of my names at home uh, it might be dear or honey. It's usually preceded by some form of the word yes. So yes, dear. Sure, honey. Okay, dear. So that's me and my husband, Chris. Three kids were very well rested in that picture. And then one of my third names um, comes from these two. And right now, actually, if you ask Bradley what my name is, he'll tell you it's Moana. Um, <laughs> but usually, it's just mummy. So being a parent, I have found, has one of the steepest learning curves um, that I've ever experienced. And over the past three and a half years, these two have taught me a lot of different things. I've learned that sleepers with snaps on them are the worst ever, especially when you have infants and it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you need to change a dirty diaper. Zippers, people, zippers always. I have learned every lyric and action to every song ever written by the Wiggles. I have learned how to remove permanent marker from walls. Hand sanitizer works. Hairspray works as well. 
And I've also learned how essential coffee is to get through the day. I used to just be an occasional coffee drinker, and now it's a must-have if I want to accomplish anything at all. But of all the lessons that my toddlers have taught me, the one that's the most valuable and the one that I continue to learn and relearn is how to truly embrace God as my father. So our thoughts and our attitudes, our actions are so easily consumed by the pressures and the responsibilities of being an adult. Mortgages, rent, running a household, working, balancing relationships, caregiving in whatever form that looks like for you, whether you're taking care of your own kids, your grandkids, or maybe you're at that stage where you're now taking care of your parents. It's exhausting. We're busy. We're adults. But sometimes in the midst of all of my busyness, I overhear my daughter giggling. Or I see Bradley jumping off the couch, yelling to infinity and beyond as he pretends to be Buzz Lightyear. And I just long for that. I long for that simplicity of being a kid, and it feels like it was so long ago that I had it. And I'm convinced that that longing was placed there by God. Through my kids and the crazy journey of parenthood, God is showing me a glimpse of what he wants for me, which is to recognize my identity as his child and his identity as my father. So I'd like to explore that tonight with you through the lens of Psalm 23. It's going to be up on the screen here, and you can follow along in your Bibles as well. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is perhaps one of the most widely known lines in scripture. And if I might be so bold today, I'd like to paraphrase it a little bit into this format. God is my father, he takes care of me. And a few of the ways that he does this is by giving us rest, by keeping us safe, by nourishing us and by wanting us to be with him always. So I'm going to start with talking about how our father gives us rest. My kids are both still nappers, and it's glorious. I'm going to be very upset the day that those naps have to end. They are early risers, and they play hard from the minute their feet hit the ground, so they need to nap, and I need them to nap. But it doesn't always happen, and the no-nap days are not easy. This picture of Eleanor on the right was from last Saturday. It was a no-nap day. And of course, being the wonderful mother that I am, I was like, wait, I have to take a picture of you because it fits with what I'm talking about next week. So I find that this happens when our kids don't nap. They either become 
cranky and miserable, or they get delirious and silly. Neither one of them is their best selves, and it's taxing on everyone, which is why Chris and I really do our best to try to keep those nap times in our schedules. We know that if they don't rest, they're not going to enjoy the rest of their day because they won't be at their best selves. And as adults, we're no different. We get physically tired, emotionally worn out, mentally exhausted. We get so tired that we are not our best selves. We snap at our spouses. We lose patience with our children. We go to work half asleep and drained. And our outlook is blurred by the lens of weariness. David addresses rest in the second and third verse of the psalm when he writes, He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. Now, in my world, I feel like the still waters are few and far between. There are splashed waters of the bathtub, overflowing with squeaky toys and bubbles. There are leaky waters in our kitchen, because our tap just soaks the entire countertop anytime we try to do dishes. And there are the spinning waters that wash load after load after load of laundry. But still waters, we don't see them very often. Or perhaps it's just that I'm so focused on those rushing ones that I'm missing the quiet ones. Perhaps I'm so focused on the tasks at hand and the to-do lists of the chaotic day that I've completely missed the opportunity to be still. So I've come to realize that God creates still waters for us in the everyday, in the ordinary, but it's my responsibility to spend time there. The verse says, he leads me, but that next move is my own. So Emily P. Freeman explores this idea in her book called Simply Tuesday, small moment living in a fast-moving world. One of the activities she encourages her readers to do is to celebrate the small moments in our day, to give our souls some space to breathe. If you're on social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, if you just search the hashtag, it's Simply Tuesday, you'll find hundreds of posts from people just embracing those small, still water moments that God puts in there every day. Last week when I was trying to write this message, <laughs> I found myself in that still water quiet moment. I was sitting on the couch and I had the laptop in my lap and Eleanor was just vying for my attention. She just wanted to climb up and sit with me. And I tried to distract her. I gave her a book. I gave her a toy, but nothing. All she wanted to do was to sit in my lap. So I figured, okay, I can snuggle her with one arm and I can type with the other hand. I'm a mom. I can multitask. I can do this. And she was not having it. The minute I reached out for that keyboard, she would grab my arm and wrap it around her tiny little waist. And so I gave up. I said, okay, fine. <laughs> and we just sat. She didn't want me to read her a book. She didn't want me to sing her a song. She just wanted me to sit still with her. We sat there for about 10 minutes. And those 10 minutes were the most restorative, peaceful minutes of my day. And I would have missed them if I had just continued with those rushing waters, those tasks that continue to mount. How much more does our Father want us to just stop and be still with him? Sit on his lap and just breathe. My Father gives me rest. My Father also keeps me safe. So this past September was a big transition time for our family. It was the start of a new school year for me, 
It was my first full year back at school after having both of my kids. Eleanor was going to stay with her grampy, with my father-in-law, while Chris and I were working, and Bradley was going to start full-time daycare in a child care center here in town. And of all of those transitions, it was Bradley's that was the most trying. He had spent a few months with my father-in-law while I went back to work part-time, but the majority of, life, of his life had been at home with me. And I know it might sound silly, but I was struggling with it. Huge. <laughs> the teacher in me was so excited for him to get in there in a classroom with kids his own age, but the mom in me was terrified to let him go. And I don't trust easily, especially when it comes to my kids. And leaving my baby with people I didn't know in a place I had barely been in was terrifying. So needless to say, the first time I dropped Bradley off at daycare, I was a disaster on the inside, but I did my best to hold it together so that he wouldn't see how upset I was. But kids are so perceptive. He slipped his little hand in mine, and as we walked up to the door of the center, he stopped and he looked at me and he said, Mommy, can we say my verse together? And that summer, we had been working together on memorizing Joshua 1.9. I'm going to cry for this <laughs> So Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I squeezed his little hand and we recited the verse together. And he cried when I left and I cried the whole way to school. <laughs> but when I picked him up that day, he ran to me and said, Mommy, Whenever I was sad, I said my verse, and I felt so much better. He knew in his little toddler heart that God was going to keep him and his mommy safe, even though we were apart. So one of our family's favorite books is called Found. And it's the retelling of Psalm 23 by Sally Lloyd-Jones, who's the writer of the Jesus Storybook Bible. And one of my favorite pages in this book paraphrases Psalm, or verse 4 of Psalm 23 in this way. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He is here with me. Now I realize that daycare hardly seems like a walk through the valley of shadow of death, as David says. But for a toddler who's never been away from his family before, there couldn't have been a scarier or a lonelier place. And the truth that Bradley had on his heart made him feel like he wasn't alone. The journey through the dark valleys of life are different for each of us. Maybe you've been through the dark valley of infertility, miscarriage, or stillbirth. Maybe you've wandered the lonely path of losing a spouse, a parent, or a close friend. Or maybe your scary place is that internal struggle with anxiety or depression. But as a child of God, you need to know that you're not alone. No matter how dark, no matter how scary, no matter how lonely your valley may be, your father's holding your hand in his. Your shepherd knows exactly where you are. And he's walking through that valley with you. My father nourishes me. It was Eleanor 
She was born on September 19, 2016, weighing in at eight pounds, six ounces. She was big, she was beautiful, and she was healthy. We were so beside ourselves when she arrived. We had no idea the struggles we were going to face her first week here. So after they're born, babies always lose some weight. But after her first two days with us, Ella was losing too much weight, and no one could figure out why. All of her tests were normal, and she seemed to be nursing well. But all we knew was that our baby was getting too thin and that she was hungry. And I don't think Chris and I have ever felt as helpless as we did that week. We just wanted our child to be healthy, to be fed, to be satisfied. And eventually, with the help of a lactation consultant and support from incredible nurses and our midwives, we were able to pinpoint the issue and slowly her weight began to climb. But it was almost a full week after her birth when we were given the okay to take her home. That week was the longest week of our lives. But now if you look at her, you would never know she had that rough start. She's been making up for it ever since. <laughs> so David tells us in verse 5 of his psalm that you prepare a table before me and my cup overflows. When I was pregnant with Eleanor, she had a direct connection to me, and I was her source of nourishment. She grew, and she flourished, and she thrived. But when she was disconnected, she struggled. And her, she was hungry, and she was thirsty for that connection again. God, our Father, wants to nourish us with his love and his grace, to feed us with his wisdom and his knowledge, and to bless us so much that we are overflowing with examples of his goodness. And he does that by giving us the same opportunity for a direct connection. In John 14, Jesus is comforting his disciples as the time of the crucifixion is nearing. And he tells them, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you now and later will be in you. The Holy Spirit's our direct connection to the Father. And as believers, we know his voice as he beckons us to come and sit at the table that our Father has prepared for us. And what a table it is. The Message Bible's version of Psalm 23, verse 5 says, You serve me a sixth course dinner. So we're all going to be wearing our stretchy pants when we go. <laughs> and the Bible tells us that he prepares this meal in front of my enemies. But who are these enemies? They're the ones that want to keep you away from the table, from sitting down at that meal. They're the lies that the world uses to interrupt our connection to the Spirit. The ones that keep us from joining in this fantastic feast. They tell us we need to do more, earn more, be more. They tell us we don't have time to sit. You aren't smart enough, strong enough, important enough. You are not worthy to have a seat at this table. As believers, we're called to recognize the voice of the Spirit and discern those voices that lie to us. 
if we stop for a moment and we listen for that direct connection for the Holy Spirit calling us, I have no doubt that we'll hear our Father's voice telling us that dinner's ready. He's ready to fill our plates with heaping servings of love and mercy and to overflow our cups with grace and blessing. And the final way I want to explore the way God takes care of us is how our Father wants us to be with him always. So right now, my kids are fiercely mummy-centered. They constantly want me. They don't want Chris. They just want me. They climb on me. They want to be carried by, read to, fed by, snuggled, bathed, and put to bed by me. And he tries. I'm not... He does. He's really good. But at the end of the day, it's me that they want. So I was getting ready for church one week, and I had to stop to take this picture of them. I'm in the bathroom getting ready. So I want you to notice not only are they sitting there with me, they brought stuff to camp out so that they would have things to do, and they just wouldn't leave my side. Our children pursue us relentlessly. They seem to think that they have unlimited access to us, that nothing is off limits. So what if we pursued our father the same way? God wants us to access him as often as our children access us. He welcomes it. Our heavenly father doesn't tire of having his children constantly call his name, seeking him out continuously. God doesn't need to put on an episode of Paw Patrol and plunk his kids down on the couch so that he can breathe, which for earthly parents is totally acceptable because we need a break every now and then. But God doesn't. In fact, David ends the psalm with these words. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Chris and I love our babies a lot, but are we going to let them live with us forever? Probably not. <laughs> but that's the very thing our God wants for us. In John's gospel, Jesus tells his disciples, there are many rooms in my father's house. I wouldn't tell you this unless it were true. I'm going there to prepare a place for each of you. And after I have done this, I will come back and take you back with me. And we will be together. Not only does our father want us to dwell in his presence, He's preparing a place for each of us, tailored to the uniqueness of each of his children. So as I look back through these ways that God, my Father, takes care of me, makes me rest, makes me feel safe, he nourishes me, he wants me to be with him. I look into my parent's shoes and I think, how does he do it? <laughs> and the answer lies in how God himself would fill out the hello, my name is tag. In the book of Exodus, God declares to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also says to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. My father's name is Yahweh. I am who I am. 
if as a mom I use the I am statement to describe myself, I'd have to add another descriptor, another word to that. It would either be I am tired, or I am frustrated, or I am wiped, I am inconsistent. But our Father doesn't need to do that. He is constant. He is unmoving. He is unchanging. He is forever faithful. And because he can declare, I am who I am, I can declare that I am his child. 